0: Episode 15, Chili. Don't talk, just listen. Under the black sun there is no hope, only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches, on the Cinepunks Podcast Network. Uh, they, They are not what they claim to be. Let's trace it back as far as we can go. On July 9th, 2001... The Office premiered on British television. The show, created by Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, aired 12 episodes over the next two years, concluding with a pair of Christmas specials. The original Office concluded its run on December 27, 2003. On March 24, 2005, the U.S. remake of the show also called The Office, premiered on NBC. Over nine seasons, The Office would air 201 episodes before concluding on May 16, 2013. The episode we are thinking of is Casual Friday. It's the one where Michael and Pam and Ryan return to work at The Office one is in the title, after a multi-episode sojourn to a competing company. Casual Friday was the 26th episode of the show's fifth season and the 98th episode overall. It was seen by many and liked by most, if contemporary reviews are to be believed. But if you were to ask fans or casual viewers about the specifics of casual Friday, we imagine they would not be able to recall the specific details right away. But if you were to say, Kevin's chilly, now that will get some recognition. To explain, one of the major supporting characters of The Office, we refer here to the U.S. show, was Kevin Malone portrayed by actor Brian Bumgartner. He used a voice that was not his own and kept at it from pilot to finale. In the cold open to casual Friday, Kevin is shown trying to carry a massive pot of his self-described famous chili into the office, the one that's in the title. But oh no, Kevin spills the chili and begins sliding around in the foodstuff attempting to shovel it back into the pot. The comic effect is exaggerated by the physicality of the actor as the heavyset and bald Bumgartner flops around in the chili and looks desperate. Laughter is all but guaranteed. There is a reason why we're telling you this. The reason is waiting on the other side of this music. in the city beneath the black sun, the city surrounded on all sides by the midnight desert, the city that serves as hunting ground for man and monster alike. In the city, there is a playhouse. Located on Lawn Street, the playhouse was built by communists and sustained by hippies. There are stains on the stage no one much wants to think about, but the consensus view is that production of hair got a touch too enthusiastic. The renegades went bust, fell broke, vanished into the fogs of their respective generations. The playhouse became a safe place for more traditional exhibitions. There were children shows and concerts and youth programs and Shakespeare. The communists and hippies had not built a stage conductive to the bombast of the Bard, but directors made do. That's what artists do, right? They make do. When the city fell, the regular company and crew sought shelter and communal solace in the walls of the Playhouse. So much emotion, so much soul had been expended on that stage, that felt, perhaps, like a psychic residue might linger and act as protection, like the playhouse might be a holy place. A silly idea, perhaps, but holy places are mostly holy because everyone agrees that they are, and so this did the trick. The playhouse went untouched by the kaiju's steps, and the inhabitants stayed away from the wear of infighting and the tear of being ripped apart by carnivorous monsters and ghouls. Others came, not concerned with safety so much as seeking a measure of solace. Especially when the weather turned cold and snow began to fall, watching theater in the warm, comfortable seats of the playhouse proved a fine way to spend a day. Certainly the company and crew could perform any cycle of Shakespearean masterworks, even if they had to double up on the roles now and again. Sometimes they did gender swaps just for the hell of it. The company could do any of Miller's tragedies of the common man laid low by the quest for the American dream. And if they really wanted to, The company could mount a passable riff on the miserable Russian tales of stratified society. Tales like The Doll's House. But it was the comedies that people loved. The comedies that brought eager families and lonely souls. Over the course of their five years in counting Beneath the Black Sun, the company assembled a medley of sitcom moments, with pieces from Friends, Seinfeld, Boy Meets World, the parts of Scrubs That Don't Make You Cry, Parks and Rec, Modern Family, that show with the nerds and more, swapping in pieces and bits from day to day. It was cheap, it was hack, it was vaudeville, and on the days when the company was cooking, really firing in all cylinders, the laughter from the audience seemed so loud that no dark could possibly be permanent. There was one bit that appeared every night, no matter what. No matter what other pieces were utilized for that day's show. No matter if the place was packed with souls or hosting only one lost wanderer there was one bit that worked every time and was used every time. Kevin's chili and Everett McHugh, who performed that bit every time, had finally had enough. Everett McHugh was neither stocky nor bald, but he was taller than most and had a certain roundness to his features that resulted in a director Elizabeth Tran thinking of him for the role. The classically trained actor had been torn between amusement and defense, but ultimately agreed to play Kevin. For the world was a strange and scary place, and it felt good to belong and to have something to do. Besides, he figured he'd only have to do it once or twice and then the company would find other shows to put on and other roles for him to play. Everett McHugh was outfitted with a ball cap and a pillow beneath his suit coat. The pot was scavenged from a nearby soup kitchen, whose tenants had fled into the sewers and the cracks in the world. No food was wasted in the creating of the chili. Instead, Elizabeth Tran and her team mixed a concoction of mud that was wet enough that it slopped and spilled like food, but was heavy enough that the audience could plainly register it. And so it went. A skit would finish, be it the We were on a break fight from friends, or a recreation of the contest from Seinfeld, and then Everett McHugh would bumble and stumble across the stage with his heavy pot. He would do so until the audience reached a peak of laughter, at which point the chili was dumped and Everett McHugh flopped and slid in the muck, the mess, the whole time wailing and whining. And then the audience laughed even more harder. At first, it felt good getting that laughter. If he was being honest, it still felt good even after all these performances. Even though his knees ached from all his tumbles and his spine cried in pain whenever he stumbled or bumbled and his arms complained every time he lifted the pot. Even still, when they laughed, it seemed nectar enough to nurse any hurt. But then he went off stage and was alone with himself and his thoughts, and this made lousy company indeed. This wasn't what he wanted. He had trained to be Macbeth, to be Hamlet. He'd memorized the entirety of Romy and Juliet when he was in eighth grade and brought the entire house down in a tempest of grief when the doomed lover laid down to his final rest. Pimply, stammering Juliet hadn't done shit. He'd memorized Hickey's climactic monologue from The Iceman Cometh in one sitting and he could play both halves of waiting for Godot at the drop of a hat. He was born to dazzle. He was made to inspire. Not this. It seemed to Eric McHugh to continue as he had been, to continue playing the oaf and the boob because it was popular because it gave him the quick fix of adulation and approval. In a way, it was a kind of capitulation to the Black Sun. To continue was to surrender. So, after a Wednesday show, which saw maybe 12, maybe 15 folks in attendance, Everett McHugh sat down with Elizabeth Tran and told her he was done with Kevin's chili. She'd have to find someone else. We've tried it with others, she insisted. Kyle's just no damn good at slapstick. Polly's got those, it's, you know how like some people have like chicken legs? He's got that, but but it's his arms. He'll never be able to carry the pot and, and do all the gags you do. And none of the other guys have the right body type. Everett McHugh told her that his mind was made up. He'd had enough and that was all. Elizabeth Tran sighed and shook her head. Okay, was all she said. Everett McHugh retreated backstage, hoping that he'd be comfortable alone with his thoughts, if only for once but he was not alone. The woman who waited was older than Everett McHugh, but she was not truly old. Woe lined her eyes, and grief weighed on the corners of her lips. Her eyes were the cool of a storm just finished. She stood when she saw him. "'Can I help you?' Everett McHugh asked. She was pale And then, as were the clothes she wore, Everett McHugh got the impression that even if she would wear five layers of fur outfits while sitting by a blazing fireplace, that chill would only linger. It was down into her bones, and perhaps even deeper. Can I help you? He said again. She looked down, unable to meet his eyes. You... you're the chilly guy, right? Everett McHugh sighed. Sometimes, enthusiasts came backstage to clap him on the back and compliment him, acting like they were old friends, like the bond performer and spectator went deeper than that. Yeah, he said. I guess I'm the chilly guy. So what? Though her face was down, tears were visible in the woman's eyes. They fell like lost snowflakes on a moonless night. I, I just want to tell you, tell you how much my daughter loved watching you. She loved the whole show, but something about (laughs) your bed. She trailed off and wiped her eyes. She used to laugh so hard. She laughed until it seemed like she'd run out of air in her lungs. Here, she began to sob. Everett McHugh could only stand there, hands by his sides. The grief dwarfed him, rendered him an insect before an impassable cliff. Finally, the woman spoke again. Anyway, I just want to say thank you. This is a hard fucking world without a lot of light to it. You made some days good. I'm glad she had that. I'm glad that, if, if nothing else, she had those good days. The woman nodded once, as if confirming to herself that she had nothing left to say. And then she left. Everett McHugh, stood alone and for the first time in he did not know how long his thoughts were still and silent offering neither condemnation nor comfort. Tamara Price, Vinnie Malone, and Cindy Figgis earned some real solid laughs with their rendition of the David S. Pumpkin sketch from Saturday Night Live. As the applause began to fade, Everett McHugh lumbered onto stage with his pot and his chili. And though his arms ached, he swung that medal with full gusto. And though his knees were still weak from the last week's performance, he threw himself across the stage on the boards, rolling and flailing and falling. And though the audience numbered only eight or nine, if that, he gave all that his heart could give. After, he limped off stage and found Elizabeth Tran waiting. I'm sorry she said. What for? he asked. For, for not having anything else to give you. She gestured to the audience behind the curtain. All I got is the laughs. Everett McHugh wore a ball of cap, a heavy pillow, a coating of mud, arms and legs that had begun to bleed. And a smile. That's enough, he said. For now, at least. The laughter is enough. Hello, and thank you for listening to another episode of Black Sun Dispatches, part of the Cinepunks Podcast Network. Hopefully, if you listen to this uh, on the Monday that it drops, you're coming off of... A happy Thanksgiving weekend filled with family and food. I've had entirely too much of both, uh, but that's what the holidays are for, I guess. Black Sun Dispatches is is only one of many great shows offered by the CinePunks Podcast Network. Uh, Even if you didn't like this one, that's totally cool because we have lots of other great shows that are totally different, like CinePunks, Loud Fast Philly, Horror Business, The Mandate. All, all kinds of other really cool stuff that we've been rolling out, uh, including lots of really great writing. So, if you don't want to listen to the podcast, we've got great articles too. Yay! We're like Playboy that way. Um, CinemaPong is sponsored by Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. You can hit them up at xlvacx.com. That's Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations at xlvacx.com. If you like CinePunk's content, you can sponsor it yourself by supporting our Patreon, which you can find on the website. Uh, If you liked Sun Dispatches, please leave us a good review on iTunes and give us a good rating. Uh, It helps spread the word about the show. I would be really, really appreciative about that. Uh, If you want to spread the word on the show via other social media, um, I have no objections to doing that. Uh, Via Twitter, Facebook... uh, at the end of Justice League there's a bit where they fire like flaming arrows uh to set off like a uh, to let people know like the dark side and the moral it's not dark side what the hell's the Steppenwolf. so uh, Steppenwolf Steppenwolf is coming uh which is based which I think is probably ripping off uh the what are they called the Beacons of Gondor I'm really tired guys <laughs> you can't tell I'm really exhausted as I record this um, uh, so, Sorry. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at The True Brendan F. Uh, and you can find additional writing by me at Synapse.co and on my Medium page. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Black Sun Show. Again, at The True Brendan F and at Black Sun Show. Black Sun Dispatch's logo was designed by Jennifer Rogers. We are super appreciative to her as always. Uh, and the music for this week episode is Winter by E.L. Heath Uh, so the plan is to drop at least two episodes come December Uh, I think we're going to take a week off and then have a new episode ready for you on, let me find the exact date it is oh this computer sucks Uh, it will be December 11th and December 18th will be our two December episodes so look for those uh, like I said, uh, please help spread the word about and Dispatches and let other people know about this cool, weird show uh, that just kind of exists right now. <laughs> uh, I hope you guys like this one, uh, and I hope that you like uh, all the ones that are to come. So thanks, everybody.